You may be seated. So we have two passages of Scripture for the sermon this morning. One is from Psalm 110, and the other is uh, from Matthew 22, where Jesus explains Psalm 110. <clears throat> this uh, psalm has always um, caused me I've, I've always wanted to understand it better and I still want to understand it better but the advantage we have is that Jesus explains it in uh, Matthew 22 when he helps us understand it better and um, I just, you know how sometimes Scripture really clicks and you really see something, and other times you see it, but you, it doesn't click like you want it to. And so, anyway, we're going to read Psalm 110, and this is a Psalm of David. And the unique thing about it is when Jesus talks about this Psalm, he says, he gives a view of inspiration. So, in, in you'll see a little bit later that he says that David spoke this psalm in the Spirit. In other words, he was giving, uh, he was speaking in, uh, like in the Holy Spirit, just like the other prophets and all. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power, in holy array from the womb of the dawn. Your youth are to be are to you as the dew. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings in the day of his wrath. He will judge among the nations. He will he will fill them with corpses. He will shatter the chief men over a broad country. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. And then in the New Testament, we read verses 34 through 40 that had to do with Christ being questioned. And now verse 41. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus Ask them a question. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, Then how does David, in the Spirit, call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? No one was able to answer him a word, nor did anyone dare from that day on to ask him another question. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your word, and we would like to ask you to please illumine your word unto us that we might understand it better. So Jesus, 
David spoke of you long ago by your Holy Spirit. And then you spoke concerning yourself. And we would pray that you would help us to see your glory. Even things that we may see here that we already know, we need to be reminded of them or we need to appreciate them better. And so work in us by your Holy Spirit to appreciate and understand what you were saying that day when you spoke to the Pharisees and what you say to us today here. Hear our prayer, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. The last week of Christ's life before his crucifixion. He's at the temple in Jerusalem teaching. And various groups have come to test him. This was not uncommon. They wanted to catch him in something. They wanted to embarrass him. Maybe they could come up with something for which they could have him arrested. In every encounter, Christ is successful in answering them what they ask of him. In fact, that's one of the reasons why they start leaving him alone is because they could not answer with all that he had to say. And then Christ decides to ask the Pharisees a question. Now, Christ did not do anything like this to be mean or unkind, but the fact is Jesus often did things that he knew was going to make people upset. He, he did it. I mean, just like when he goes in the temple and they don't want him to heal on the Sabbath, what does he do? He heals anyway. Does he know there's going to be a problem? Sure he does. Does he know everybody's going to be upset? Sure he does. What does he do? Heals anyway. Why? Because by healing, he could address the false things they believe and all their uh, illegitimate legalism and everything that they had come up with. And so here... It's a great opportunity. I mean, if you get it, here are these guys that are supposed to be the great teachers. And, and God is among them in Christ. And he comes to them and he's talking to them about the Messiah. He's talking to them about, uh, about the one that they were supposed to be waiting for. And instead of hearing him, they are turned off by him because he didn't always say to them what he wanted, what they wanted to hear. In verse 42, uh, he speaks of, he says, Who do you th- what do you think about the Christ? And the Christ means the Messiah. Uh, it means the one who is anointed. What do you think about him? It is the one who is anointed, who is set apart to be this one who was coming into the world. And the question that comes to us also is that we would be clear as to what we understand and know about Christ ourselves. Now, everything about that there is to know about Christ is not in this passage of Scripture. But what we do have is, we do have what Christ says about himself. So what Jesus does here is, he asks this question, he asks this question, and he's explaining about who he is as he talks to them, but he's also referencing this Psalm 110. So for our purposes, 
We want to see what we are to understand about Jesus from this passage, but also from the passage that Christ quotes where he says this is where he is. Verse 42 asks the question about Christ, the Messiah, God's anointed. Christ presumes that the Pharisees already know that the Messiah is coming. They have an opinion on this, just like Christ's disciples did. Everybody was looking for the Christ or the Messiah. And they were familiar with Psalm 110 too because it was one of those Psalms that they knew that predicted that he was coming into the world. The Pharisees could not answer Christ though and because their theology did not agree with what it was that he was saying. What are we to think of Christ? What are we to think of the Messiah, God's anointed? First of all, we want to look at the promise of His coming in verse 42. The Jews knew to expect this one who was anointed by God, the Messiah. What do you think about the Christ? He knows they are expecting the Christ. What do you know about the Christ? And then secondly, whose son is He? And they said to Him, the son of David. Now we know this is true. We know that the Messiah is spoken of in the Bible as being the son of David. In the 89th Psalm we read this, My covenant I will not violate, nor will I alter the utterance of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His descendants shall endure forever, and his throne as a son before me. It shall be established forever like the moon, and the witness in the sky is faithful. So what he's saying here is that David is, that Christ is going to be born in the line of David. All right? Christ will be born as a descendant of David, which he was. Isaiah predicted this. Then a shoot will spring forth from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom forever. Or over his, uh, the throne of David and over his kingdom. So they knew that the Messiah, the Christ, was going to be born as a descendant of David which he was. And we have that genealogy. Now, the next thing would be the nature of his person. This is what the Pharisees did not grasp. The Pharisees, no doubt, like many times, like the disciples, were expecting maybe just a human leader who would be a good king, who could write the Roman government and all that kind of stuff. But he just, you know, a person just like us. But what we find out is that when Christ was born, when he was this descendant of David, he wasn't an ordinary person. He was ordinary in his humanity, but he was not like us in our sin. He was also the Son of God. He was, he was God and man in one person. So, if you look at what he says here, he says, If he is the Son of David, Jesus says in verse 43, 
then how does David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand. He is the Son, by his coming, being born of the family of David, but he is the Lord, the Messiah, or Christ is also God, thus the Lord over David. In other words, David is calling, in the Spirit, he is calling Jesus, his Lord. And, and and he sits at the right hand of God. This is his deity that is coming out. Psalm 110, when David says, the Lord says to my Lord, there are two different words in Psalm 110 for that word Lord. The first word is Yahweh, Jehovah. Jehovah, God the Father, says to my Lord, and that word is Adonai, meaning Lord. So it is as though God is speaking to one called the Lord, and then the rest of the psalm speaks to the kingship of that Lord, of, as to Christ being a mediator, a king, a, a warrior, and also a priest. This truth that the Messiah or Christ or anointed one was both God and man and a descendant of David, yet possessing qualities only God could have, is not some obscure teaching. This is not something that the Apostle Paul made up or Christians made up or, or Christian historians made up. This is what is in the Scriptures. Listen to Isaiah. Listen to Isaiah. Hundreds of years before Christ is born, before the Messiah is born, he says, A child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness, from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And this is exactly what Jesus said, what the angel said to Mary. You remember Mary had announced to her, Mary, Mary, you're going to be pregnant. I can't be pregnant. I never had relations. I never had sexual relations with a man. How can I be pregnant? Well, God's going to do something different, Mary. It's not going to be an ordinary child. It's going to be human because you're going to be the mama. But this child that's going to be the mama, you're going to be the mama, is also going to be your Lord. And the Holy Spirit is going to put the Holy Spirit is going to put this child in your womb. But the angel brings all this together. That it's not just it's not just in the line of David, but that this child would be both God and man. And so the Lord says the angel says to her, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he'll be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Later on when John the Baptist is born, the, his, his daddy... Zachary affirmed the same thing. And this is what Jesus himself affirmed about himself. Jesus was not Jesus acknowledged that he was God. He he did this throughout his ministry. That's why these religious leaders that's they they create they 
they said he was uh, guilty of blasphemy. The high priest, this at his trial, the high priest said to him, I abjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you hereafter, you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Christ was flesh and blood like us that he could bear in his person our sins and 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 be a savior like unto us. Christ was human flesh like us that he could perfectly obey the law that it would count for us. But Christ was also uh, the Lord God from heaven. The next thing is that he is anointed king. Psalm 110 talks about Christ being a king. He's at the right hand of the Father. And verse 44, Jesus speaks to this himself. He quotes Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. It's a picture of a king who has conquered. Like Joshua, when you conquered a foreign power, you put your foot on their neck or you put your foot on your head on their head you had you had overcome them you had won david was a king but a better king was christ we see his reign begun in psalm 110 the lord says to my lord set at my right hand until i make your enemies a footstool for your feet the lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from zion saying rule in the midst of your enemies. Christ has begun his rule. We shouldn't think of Christ be ruling after etern- after you know heaven when the earth is destroyed and all that. We ought to see that Christ is ruling now. Christ was raised. Christ is ruling now. And uh, he's, he now rules over all things. Uh, before he ascended, he told his disciples, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Uh, The Apostle Paul writes about Christ, about God raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Jesus is not on the same level as the devil, and and somehow uh, they they fight as equals. Christ rules over him and only gives him permission to do what he gives him permission to do. That's what's taught in Job. That's just a fact. And the world is not set in motion so that uh, Putin and uh, and other leaders are the ones who decide everything. And but God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the one who is reigning and ruling. And this is what the Scriptures teach us. The Apostle Peter writes, "He is at the right hand of God." having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers has been subjected to him. And he is not reigning and ruling only for his church. The church is the apple of his eye and all of his ruling and and everything is done with his interest in mind and the interest of his church. But he is reigning and ruling over all things. You read the news, you listen to the news, you think everything is in chaos, there's no order, nothing like that. Christ is ruling. Psalm 110 says He even has an army. Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power in holy array array from the womb of the dawn. Your youth are to you as the dew. Uh, 
Where is Christ's army? Well, he has the host of heaven, but he also has his church. What has he told us? Go and make disciples of all nations. What has he told us? You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. We are those who follow Christ. We are those who have received the Spirit of God. We are to be his witnesses. We are to be his army. Uh, Our weapons are not uh, guns and our weapons are not things like that. But our weapons are love. Our weapons are the gospel. Our weapons are the truth concerning Jesus Christ. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ anointed us in God who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts. We are the anointed ones. You say, well, wait. We're not anointed. We're, we're, just, we're just who we are. We're not anointed. It was David was anointed as king and, and Jesus is the anointed one. But we're not anointed. Oh, yeah, we are. We are. We are those who are His people and the Scripture says we are. We are united to Christ. We are joined to Christ. And this is what Paul writes in Corinthians. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. The Apostle John writes, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. We're His people. This is the love of God to us. Second, or whatever the number is, the next one is His kingdom is advancing. The kingdom of Christ doesn't die. It doesn't recede. It may experience fierce opposition overall, though it advances. It conquers. Christ is the promised Messiah. And He has a kingdom, and His kingdom will be victorious. He has all power now, and there's coming a day when all of His enemies will be a footstool for his feet. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. This advancement and progress of his kingdom is what we see even prophesied in Isaiah. What does Isaiah say concerning Christ, the son of David, who is God? Thou shalt multiply the nation. Thou shalt increase their gladness. They will be glad in thy presence as with the gladness of harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou shalt break the yoke of their burden, and the staff of their shoulders, and the rod of the oppressor, as the battle at Midian. Christ advances his kingdom. And then finally he realizes his victory. In Psalm 110 it says, the last two verses, He will judge among the nations. He will fill them filled them with corpses. He will shatter the chief men over a broad country. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. The day will arrive when all of his enemies will be the footstool for his feet. When those kings and their peoples who have refused to do homage to Christ will perish under his wrath. You know, that's what Psalm 2 says. Psalm 2 says, Kiss the sun lest he be angry with you and you perish in the way. Christ is a victorious king and he will win. And then the other thing that Psalm 110 says is that he is our priest. It says that he is a priest like Melchizedek. Melchizedek was not in the line of Aaron. He was a specially made priest. 
And Christ is that special priest for us as well. Christ is a mighty king on our behalf who rules over all things and loves us and anoints us and makes us his children and puts us in his, among his people and his kingdom and his army. But Christ is also that priest who intercedes for us, who is in heaven itself. Read Hebrews. There repeatedly throughout Hebrews is this testimony that Christ is a priest for us as our uh, great Savior. David called Christ Lord, and we call Him Lord too. And He is this great Savior. And this is that one who you and I are to confess. The question that Jesus asked the the Pharisees is the question that comes to us. Who do we say that the Christ is? Who do we say? Is He the Son of God sent from heaven? Is He our Savior? Do we look to Him as our righteousness? Do we follow Him as our Lord? Do we put all of our confidence in His death on our behalf that we might receive the forgiveness of sins? He is our He is the Savior. And that is the question that we have to respond to as well. And then we want to make Him known. We want to worship Him. We want to make Him known. We want to live for Him as His people. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank You for Your love and for Your favor to us. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You, Jesus that you explain yourself to us and help us understand who you are better. And, Lord, if we passed out a piece of paper of a test, we might be able to fill in all the blanks and answer the question about your deity and your work and your person and things like that. And that's good. That's good. We want to have good knowledge. But, Lord, most of all, we want that knowledge to be really rooted in our hearts We want to love you. We want to delight in you. We want to be in awe of you. We want to be almost, as it were, speechless in your presence except to give you praise. But at the same time, I mean, certainly we would have much to uh, inquire of you about. But Lord Jesus, we pray, help us to see your beauty and your glory and to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And also, even as we heard earlier, our neighbors, ourselves. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen.